0: Welcome to Business Unfiltered, where we dive into the raw and unfiltered world of running a business with Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Grab a seat for this unfiltered journey into the world of entrepreneurship. This
1: is Business Unfiltered. Welcome back to Business Unfiltered. It's Mercer. I am here with the infamous Jeff Sauer, and today's topic we're talking about hiring, specifically hiring top Performers. So, uh, with that, as we always start this thing out, Jeff, how do you define hiring top performers?
0: Yeah, so I have a few words to say. It could be a rock star, could be a unicorn, could be a really good employee, top 1%, top 10%. But basically, we're talking about the talent, a 10x employee, for example. We're talking about the people who really can be much more productive in your organization than maybe three other hires, the people who really move the needle, who are a great investment for your business and who make you proud to be doing what you're doing as a business owner or as a fellow employee along with these people. How about you? Yeah, I think
1: you know it's, it's, it's interesting you, you think about it like that because I, I, I hadn't thought about it exactly like that um, in terms of like why would I ever want somebody who wasn't that? Right, type of thing. So it's like, of course, I want to have that 10x employee, you know. But I think you're right. There, there, there are some jobs that just aren't necessary. Some roles, I should say, uh, where there isn't really necessary to have that uh, type of person who needs that, you know. And some roles that do need that uh, type of person. So when when you're looking for like that 10x, right? When you're looking for that top performer, how how do you separate them out? Like, do you have a certain hiring process that you go through where they either are naturally attracted to that or to, to your company, or is it you know do you grow them from within? You know, maybe they're not a top performer, but you you hire them as one level. Do you, like, do you hire them as a top performer? Do you hire them as uh, could be a top performer? Like, maybe yeah. we can start with that.
0: Yeah, good question. So I wanted to address the part about the why wouldn't you have everybody as a top performer or all star? It's it's like thinking about a basketball team is the is the example I can give is that there's five positions. And if you had five scores, you probably wouldn't be very good at anything else. Right. So you need role players in an organization and usually the teams that win have role players as opposed to people who are all in the same role. So role players are important to this thing, right? So, so that's just something to consider. And then as far as, we, you know, this is specifically t- titled hiring top performers, and I think that's that's a big part of it. But, you know, I believe, and this, this is something you can easily pick apart, but top performers are born, and either you're a top performer or you're not. And then... The, the way that you become a top performer in a role or an organization is how that organization or that role supports and nurtures your top performance into a, molding it into a way that really affects the company. So for example, I was a top performer when I was the HR in information analyst two at the Minneapolis public school district. I was a top performer. I automated the way out of five different jobs. Like pe- previously five people had held my job And I did it myself. And I got it down to the point where I was working four hours a week. So I was absolutely a top performer working at a public institution at 21, 22 years old. And so I was a top performer in that case, but I didn't have the incentive structure. I didn't have the management to utilize it. And so I felt like I was wasting away in that organization. So you can, you're a top performer wherever you are. And everywhere I've gone, I've been a top performer, but the only time that I wasn't really a top performer for a company was when they didn't really know how to use me, right? Or they didn't have the incentive structure or they were a public institution who couldn't pay me anymore. And so I think top performers are born. And then I think it's up to the organization to really tap into that and utilize it. And and you had mentioned, do you hire them? Do you build them in? I mean, I'm a fan of taking top talent and just giving them some kind of role and some kind of expectation and then molding them. I have some examples of that we can get into later, but I would say that you can you, you want to hire the top performers and we can talk about that as well. I wanted to give you a chance to weigh in on my controversial opinion, though. I think you're either born with it or you're not. Then think it's up to the organization to give somebody the plan to make that happen. How about you?
1: Yeah, I I, I guess I I get that. I get that standpoint. The way I'm thinking about it is like everyone is a top performer in something. It's do you need that thing in your organization, right? Like maybe that's the way to think about it. Because I've got I've got a, a friend of mine who I've known forever, and he's just he's he is rock stable, right? He'll show up on time, he'll do the job, and he will leave on time, and that's. All he will ever do right and it's, it's not within our company it's just that's just how he works he just doesn't care he doesn't have the ambition to grow to management he doesn't want to grow to management he just wants to do his thing be left alone get his job done and he does it well but he's not going to grow in the organization he doesn't have the ambition for that so is he a top performer not maybe from the perspective of if i was his manager i'd be like well but kind of because he fulfills this role and if that role sticks around in the organization that organization if as I as have this guy, they will never have to fill that role again. He just, he's going to, he's going to fill that gap for them. That's what he does, yeah. you know, um, versus the somebody who's like, okay, I'm going to hire them so they can grow into the organization or, or 10 XR marketing or, or, you know, whatever the thing is, how, what's the process though, that you are, when you decide, okay, I, I'm going to, I need a top performer. And I think this is where I want to start with this. Cause I'm curious on your opinion. How do you know where you need a top performer? How do you define that where you're like, okay, this is yeah. the gap I need. I have, is it because you're trying to replace somebody who's in that role and you're trying to do that? Or you, like, how, how do you think about it?
0: Yeah. So it's, it's interesting that you say it that way. Cause I think that I agree with some of the things and some of the things I, I haven't thought of that way. So I'm just processing what you said, but you know, like the, the guy who was really good in their role and fulfilled everything you need. Are they a top performer? Right. That's the first thing. We we still need to stick with the definition of top performer. In some ways, they are, but I don't think they're a top performer. I think they're they're an above average person. I would call them a B player, what you described, mm-hmm. because they don't they they they're not they're not the energy source of your organization. I think a top performer is somebody who gives extra energy to your organization and and takes you to another level. So a top performer has to be somebody who helps your business transcend. And that is possible in every role, but that would be a B player by my definition. Uh, like let's, uh, I'll even get in that. So an F player is terrible. get you know quiet quitting somebody or actually an F player is somebody you should never hire. Right. D player is somebody who doesn't who you hire and doesn't actually do the work in the first two weeks they're gone. C player is average. C is like average in, in school. A B player is somebody who gets the job done, does no more or less but is exceptional in doing that job. And then an A player to me is like the rocket ship, the one who makes you better in what you're doing, right? So that's important for me to think about. Now, when you're hiring and you're just finding that, well, I think you should set out always wanting an A player in every role that you hire, whatever it is, right? Every job description should be written for an A player. Every time that you say about your company, you should write something that the the A players get attracted to and they want it. And the the C players and the D players like, man, this is going to be hard work right? So I think that in a talent market, especially the one that we're in right now, where there's fewer jobs and there are people, you should always set out trying to find an A player. You can settle for a B player or a C player, especially in roles where you don't require it. Um, A a B player or a C player, I don't think you'd ever really want to go into it looking for a C player, right? That's settling too much. So I write job descriptions. I write task lists. I write about the company and I use recruiting techniques and, and, and everything in order to attract those people. So there's, there's A's inside that list. Now, how do you confirm that they're A? For me, it's a simple concept and simple structure of how we hire, right? Um, I, 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 so I have three ways of hiring. One is job description and posting, getting enticing a, a wide enough net. You want a wider net on that. Two is, um, behavioral, behavioral questions that they submit when they submit their job, their resume. So they actually have to answer questions. And then we grade them based on those questions. We filter out people who don't answer those behavioral questions. Well, and what's, what's an example of that
1: when you say behavioral questions? Yeah.
0: Um, like, you know what, trying to figure out their motivation. So one of the questions I ask is how much do you expecting to get paid for this? And I weed out people who say free. And I weed up people who say a thousand dollars an hour, right? You know, I want somebody who's who has reasonable expectations. Um, you know, how much do you, you know, just wondering, are they in it for the right things as far as knowledge or compensation? Wondering, um, do they actually have experience or talent in an area? Like that they are they lying about it and how would they rate themselves? Um, it's a bunch of stuff. Like, hey, have you ever done this before? Have you ever done parts of the of the job description themselves? Rate yourself on a scale of one to five. Just really trying to figure out where these people are at. Right. And are they confident in their abilities? And then the next one is the, the test. I, before I even interview people, I give them a test. This can be either paid or free. And that test, generally speaking, a players will knock it out of the park with that test. So it's usually a a question, a sheet of one page of questions. And I tell them to answer how they see fit as thoroughly as they can. Right. And, the. a C player will answer it on one page, a D player, or C player will answer it on one page still, even though it's one page of questions. A uh, B player usually is on two or three pages and an A player usually does five to 10, 15 pages because they're going out of their way to do it. And that's usually an indicator as to how they're going to be. And then as long as they don't flunk the interview and as long as they sound like they'd be a cultural fit on the, on the interview, then I usually go with the person. Then I know that I have an A, I have them doing a work and that, that, even without getting paid for it, or even without having the job, they're always going to put that forward. So that's my definition of a, of a top performer is usually the one who goes above and beyond in everything they do, because no matter what I have them do in the organization, they will be going above and beyond. And then it's up to me and the leadership structure to mold them into how we can harness that energy and catch that lightning in a bottle for our organization.
1: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Our, our, you know, we sort of have a a concept called the hiring funnel. Um, but it's, it's similar in process where we'll, we'll sort of write the job. So A, you sort of analyze the role. What is the role that's needed? Uh, and then maybe roles within the role, right. That, that are needed. So you you just clearly define and, and actually write this job description. So then you go to write the job description. We'll write it with three things in mind. One is I want to attract the person who is, a good cultural fit for our organization. We're a small business. We're a little ragtag. We're bootstrapped, right? We're a very different feel than somebody who's like really comfortable working for corporate America, right? Type of thing uh, in some belly of the, some department somewhere. So when I write the job description, I'm going to do it in a way that is uh, a little more, a little more loose, a little more natural language, right? It's not so corporate-y. So the corporate people see that job description and they go, "As ah, is not for me, uh, and the other person that I really want, the one who's flexible, who understands how to do stuff, who's a little more you know motivated, they they will, they naturally go like, yeah, this is, oh, well, that sounds like a fun, right? Um, yeah. So that's the one thing, just sort of that company fit. The next thing is the job itself, right? So making sure they can do the roles. And that's where you're listing out all the roles. Make sure you have this, this, and this experience and what the kickouts are or, or the things that we're going to test for. Um, and then it's the the supervisor fit? How will they get along with that person who's going to be their manager if, if they have a manager, right? And at the very least, they always will because it'll, at the very least, it'll be me as a manager, right? Um, so, you know, we, we write the job description in a way that attracts or ideally naturally attracts it. So it's really like copywriting. That's how I think about it. we're copywriting mm-hmm. for this, right? So we will attract the person then repel the people that we don't want already at that stage, hopefully. Now that yeah. said, we blast that out everywhere we can. Then that's a huge top of funnel at this point. All these applications start coming in. So right away, and we'll do little things like, um, you know, something that tests for a skill that they have. So they, but they, in order to pass it, it's, they they are demonstrating they have the skill. So for example, if I need somebody detail oriented, I might put in there, hey, you know, when you reply and, you know, when you apply, here's how to apply. When you do that, please show, you know, uh, list out the seven mistakes that were in this job description. Right. Let's say I'm doing that with an admin. Yep. So then they're applying. If they a if they just apply without mentioning the seven mistakes, they clearly aren't looking. They're just the people who are clicking on a thousand buttons, or they have some bot doing it for them to apply to every job until they find right. some sucker to hire them. Um, so I'm not going to be that guy. So I, I that automatically they get filtered out. But the, what's nice about it is they automatically get filtered out. There is no. Like You don't have to interact with as a human, just the system filters them out because they didn't do that. So if they do do that, and they say, you know, let's say they got the mistakes, right? It's like, okay, we go on to the to the next round. And now I will give them an actual application style questionnaire. So one is applying for the job, then I'm like, cool, go ahead and fill this thing out. And similar to you, we're going to ask those rating style questions. So it's like, rate yourself on this skill. And we base it obviously on the role. So if it was like a developer, we're like, how good are you at WordPress, right? Um, and then, but specifically WordPress plugins and, you know, writing plugins and, you know, all this other stuff. And, we are, and we're looking on the scale of one to 10, let's say, rate themselves. Yep. What we're looking for is all the people who are 10s at everything, they get thrown out right? Because they're never good at everything, but we're just looking for somebody who's honest where it's like, well, I kind of know this, but I don't really know that. I'm like, okay, cool. Like that's kind of what I needed you to like top performer would be very honest about where they are. Right. So we look for that. Um, and then, uh, we will ask those questions that, uh, kind of retro back to the job description. So, and it's similar to what you were saying with, with a like salary, right? So the job description might say, um, Hey, this is a full-time job and it's, you know, $2,000 a month, let's say, whatever the thing is. So, uh, you know, full-time $2,000 a month, blah, 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 blah. And then we come in and then they go on the application. We go, okay, Hey, we want to be super flexible. Do we understand not everybody wants to work full-time and sometimes they want to run with other clients or, or, or companies, you know, is that something you'd like, you know, the option to have. And the second they say, yes, if it's applying for a full-time job, we're kicking out because they just basically applied for a job that was full-time telling us they don't really want the job. So we kick them yeah. out, right? Same thing on salary. So if it's somebody like, like you know, we said, like, say, you know, make it to a real reasonable salary. So we're paying $8,000 a month for whatever the role is. And they come in and they say, yes, I will. I will. Uh, you know, what's what's your established salary, expected salary? Oh, $15,000 a month or $10,000 a month. I'm like, well, that's not the job. You, yep. you should have paid attention to that. Why are you applying yeah. for something that you're already telling me I need to pay you more money on? Right. So that's another kick out for me. Now, within reason, obviously there's a little bit of a tolerance there, um, but that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the inconsistencies. Um, And then to your point on the, once they make it to the interview, which at this point a human's getting involved, right? Talking to them, but you've narrowed because the other stuff at the top has been so automated. You narrow it down. So you're only talking to the, uh, which should be a highly qualified candidate. Then I'm personally going through the resume and I'm asking those behavioral style questions. But what I'm looking for is, are they the person already Versus what I think a, a big mistake that most um, people do with hiring is they try to hire s- the potential, right? Like, oh, this person yeah. could be this person, so I'm going to hire them, right? And they they want to. It's like you're 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 instead of buying the statue, you're buying clay that somehow you're going to mold into a statue and then figure it out on your own. But you don't know how to sculpt, so. You know, that this never works. So just hire the thing you want, right? Versus the thing that could be the thing you want. Like that just doesn't work out, but that's what most people do. So I try to keep that in mind. Are they the person already? So for example, if I'm hiring for, um, and, and I do think we have, a, a, you know, for the most part, a team of top performers, but again, in, in their roles, right? Um, so we've got a, an admin assistant, right? She is a top performer. She is incredibly process driven. So meaning that she likes just the rinse and repeat stuff, you know, follow this checklist. And when the WordPress site is updated, go through and check these 45 things and make sure they're all working or whatever the thing is. She loves that stuff. She's very happy yeah. doing that. Uh, and she's good at it and she's detail oriented and she doesn't miss a beat. And she improves that process. She's like, oh, I also found this other thing I should be checking. So I improved the list, which makes her a top nice. performer in my book. Right. Yeah. But exactly. what I was when I'm when we're interviewing, we're interviewing for tell me about a time When. You had to go through a specific process that you had to do over and over and over again. Tell me what that process was and how you, you know, how you handled it. And then we would hear that. Now, if they're like, well, if I was going to do that, it would be, no, 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 not if. Yep. Tell me about a time you've already done this thing. Well, you had to follow a step-by-step process that didn't change and you had to do it 100 times. And they go, yeah, I did this and this. And then what I'm listening for is, did they get bored? Did they stop doing it? Did they give it to somebody else eventually? Like, oh, I got it started, but then I handed it off to my team member. It's like, well, that makes you a, a person who's more into project side of things for me. Yeah. So where it's like, okay, you're not, you're not really in love with process. You're going to get bored. And then you're going to want to, you know, and worse, you might even tinker and break stuff just so you can go fix it again, right? So it's yeah. like, okay, that's not going to work. But I'm listening. Those questions are purpose built. To get those answers, right? To make sure yeah. that I'm validating that they are the person they say they are and that person I want in my team. Now, that doesn't mean they have to know all the software. It doesn't mean they're not going to be trained, but I do need them to demonstrate that someplace else. For example, automation. Yeah. It's like maybe you don't know Infusionsoft, but if you've worked with ActiveCampaign or MailChimp, it's like, okay, well, tell me about the time when, blah, 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 when an automation got screwed up, you had no idea how to fix it. What did you do? And I'm listening for, well, I reached out to support. At the same time, I reached out to the support team, I tried to Google, and then I was also working with a friend of mine who knew this and I was trying to get the, Oh, okay. So you're a, you went three different ways trying to find help to get this thing solved as fast as possible versus I emailed support and I waited three days for the response. It's like, mm, okay. Right. One is a top performer behavior. One is not right. Maybe that B player uh, behavior. So that's, that's, and then once they interview, um, you pretty much at that point for me, at least most of the time, the person that makes it through that interview is the person. And they're just an easy hire, right? Assuming everything else makes sense. Occasionally, I've had to make decisions between really great people, which is rare because we our hiring funnel is pretty um, hard to get through. But if we do have that, then sometimes I'll bring in like um, those uh, profiles like Colby or something yeah. like that, right? To kind of help me see a difference and like maybe this is a better fit puzzle piece why here or there, you know, type of thing yeah, to make yeah. that break. I like that. So that's our our process. Yeah,
0: yeah it's funny. I I'll, I'll tell a story in a minute about about that where I had five really good candidates and how it how it ended up sorting itself out but um, the first thing I wanted to say is you mentioned this idea of like a player you know gets better B player fills the role I was just thinking like how much easier it is to hire for one role versus 10 like when my wife my wife worked at a top four accounting firm and their recruiting class they'd bring in 10 people right every time they'd bring in 10 people and start them on the same day go through things. And when you have 10 people, law of averages comes in. You're going to have a couple A's, a couple B's, middle C's, D's, and F's. And and ultimately, what they're doing is they're letting the company and they're letting the, the team that manages them sort through and just kick out the ones so they only have the A's on the partner track, right? So they, they keep the A's and B's, but they make that happen in the organization. I would never want that to happen in my org. I want to kick them out in my hiring funnel like you talked about. I want to kick that out of there. And so you have to be more selective and realize that you actually can get an A player that's a reality in your life when you're when you're hiring for one position you should get that A versus letting yeah. the market bear that which is what big companies have to do they have huge recruiting classes and they weed people out it's almost you know anything that you have to do you have to hire for you know for 10 roles you're going to have to have 100 people right versus when we're doing it it's you can have 100 people and you can get down to the, you can interview the five that are that are A's and B's mostly I also like your way of verifying with with real world experience and you know like that's another big company thing if somebody says I handed that over then they want to get into a company where they have the ability and the luxury of handing things over. Yep. You don't have that luxury of handing things over when you work for a small business. <laughs> you you have to sort of keep it going or you have to be in place. So if they're in one reality which is usually the biggest disqualifying thing I have for candidates, they are the best paper candidate, they look amazing. They have good experience, but they want to work on a big team, and that's just not my environment. And I don't think I'm ever going to have that type of company. They would be great in stability, where they can blend in and be average with average people, right? Be average with average people, and so that's been a that's the biggest thing that I've learned is just to let those people. You can sniff them out in your interview, and they might not even make it to the interview, right? They might just be perfectly average on paper. And maybe I wouldn't even give them an interview, but the interview will sniff that out because you can tell that they don't actually have the experience in doing it. Um, but then there's the other thing, like I said, where, you know, you you ended up your part with just saying there's a sometimes you have two good candidates. Well, three years ago or 2019, whenever whenever that was, four years ago, I hired a um, acquisition apprentice. So somebody who would be doing paid ads. Right. And I had the, the most the most amazing candidate pool ever for whatever reason. And the number one candidate, and I ended up hiring the number one candidate because that's what I do. She didn't really work out, but the number two candidate or like the top five candidate, two of the people were, I was so impressed with, but I was like, this person is so experienced that I can have them plug in right away. Cause this is something we're talking about. It's like, do you want a top performer who you can hire and not have to nurture them at all? And they can just go right into your organization. Like, Hey, go run my ads. This person was already running ads. They had experience, they had frameworks, they had everything. And I was like, I want this person because I can plug them in tomorrow. The other people were projects, right? So one of them was a project, and I was like, he's like a three to six month project. The other one was like a two or three year project. Um, and and I am going to actually name these people because you you just met with them. But um, the 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 two to three, three to six month project, when the first one fizzled out because they their framework. Clash with mine and they were ready to go, but they, we didn't really see the same things. And they were trying to institute too much change into the organization and too much control in their way of doing things. They were too set in their ways. I was just like, this isn't working out for either of us. Let's just end this thing. Then I brought the three to six month away, Logan, and I brought him in and he was, it turns out he's, he still works with me. He's amazing. He's, he's my SEO guy. He, he can run ads. He can, he can do everything. He can hire content. He's just an amazing guy but he wasn't really ready for the role, but I knew he was talented, right? So we ended up having the second chance and I never closed the door on the finalists. I'm always like, I, I don't even tell a finalist that they didn't get it for the first few weeks. Not, I know that might sound rude, but I'm like, you know what? I got to see how this one goes and then I'm going to keep it going. I'm just going to say, we're still in the hiring process. I don't finalize it until I know that the first person passed. And this one, I was like, you know what? I think there's going to be a chance for us to work together. And he's even like, I'll work for free. I don't even care. I just love what you're doing and I want this, right? Turns out he's just been amazing. The other one was Kayla, who I was like, I love your personality your your, you know, everything here, but you just don't have enough experience that I can plug you in right away. You're you, we need a little bit more, more work here. I said, why don't you go and get a job at an agency and, and use that as a way to leverage things. And that's what she ended up doing. She went and worked at an agency for a few years and then she took another course of hours, kept on learning. And I said, now the time is right are you available? Can we talk about hiring you into a role? I think that you're ready now to join us. I'm excited about this thing. And, and she's like, yeah, let's talk. And, um, and it turns out that she had taken our conversation from three years prior and she's like, this is the company I want to work for. I'm going to get to that point. And I was like, this is the person I want to hire when she gets to that point. Wow. And now she's a really valuable member of the organization. So it's like, we, we kept the conversation going and I checked in with her every three to six months. Like, Hey, you know, I know like, Let me know how it's going. Like I I, I'm invested in you. You're invested in me. Let I want this thing to happen, but it took a while. So I ended up getting a rock star, but it was a really long time period. So I think that you don't want to just like, if you see talent and you don't have a role or it's not the right role, it's a good idea to keep that going because talent is talent, but a small organization can't always absorb all the talent at once. Sometimes you need to let it breathe for a while.
1: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I had a similar, um, Story with uh, Julie Brady, who's our director of measurement now. She was hired as originally as a as a, D, as a DMA. We call them digital marketing assistant. It was like fifteen bucks an hour, and this is almost uh, ten years ago, something like that now. So the. When we hired her, we had actually hired somebody else. So we had hired. We were interviewing both candidates, and this was when we were first getting started, moving from kind of the official freelancer mode, and we had some VAs, yep. right? To like, okay, this is going to be like a, a real business now. We're going to do W twos, right? We're going to level up, and we're going to be, you know, it's that scary part as an entrepreneur where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm about to commit to this salary. I hope we can, you know, maintain the client and all that was going on. Yeah. So. We hired this, the other person who was still with us for years, right? She's equally good um, and just had a little bit more skill in the WordPress side of things, which we needed at yep. the time. And so that's where we hired this person. But I remember calling Julie and telling her, you know, like, hey, listen, you know, we just don't have the, a place for both people. We, you're an incredible candidate. We'd love to have you. We just had to go with this other direction. And there, there was a feeling that she was a little bit like shocked that she didn't mm-hmm. get it. You know, like I could yeah. feel that on the call. And she was like, we're, we're like What what? Like, how did sure. how did you arrive at that conclusion that I was not the best candidate? And it wasn't in an egotistical way. I want to emphasize that because that's not how Julie is. Yeah. But yeah. I could feel it where she was she was so into this thing. That I was like, man, and I was, and me <laughs> questioned, I was like, God, I hope we made the right decision, you know? Um, and, yeah. but right away I was like, the second I have a spot, I'm coming back to you. I'm hoping yep. that's within the next 90 days. Cause we were in a little growth spurt and f- yep. fortunately, and I really have to chalk this up to luck, not skill. She was still available, right. Uh, months later and we did grow and we came to her and now, you know, talk about top performer, holy cow. I mean, came yeah. in from, you know, a, a, a. You become just help me out with stuff, you know, this type of uh, apprentice role to your, to your uh, point, that title. And then just let me do this. Let me do this. So how about we do this? Or how can we do this? And I was like, oh, my gosh. And it very quickly went from me trying to, like, pull her forward, which I think is a lot of problems with entrepreneurs, how they manage, versus she's yep. pulling us forward, right? She's pulling the team yeah. forward saying, let's go here. Let's do this. Here's a cool idea. Here's something else I think we should do. And it was like, and she just rose through the ranks and has improved yeah. her skill set and just hasn't looked back you know, she's just yeah. like always with lo- lo- new stuff. So, you know, it, it definitely worked out in our favor. She went through the exact same hiring funnel that the other person did too. Um, and the other yep. person was with us for years, right? She eventually left to go start her own thing, which was fine. Cause we kind of knew that was, um, the, the case in the first place. Um, and she committed to the years and she was there. Right. So it, it just, it worked out so perfectly. Um, and again, there's an element of luck, I think to some of this, it's not yeah. all, you know, guaranteed skill, but, um, any, any sort of final thoughts when you go back, like maybe there's like, you know how maybe it's like a like a either a one thing that you can think of when it's like here's the one best tip you have for maybe hiring top performers or finding them something that hasn't been covered already.
0: Yeah, so it, I I could go on with the other stories about people that I that the, the second candidate that I had success with because it's it's amazing. So that is something that that is a reality and more than you'd think. Now that I think about it, like you know sometimes it is hard to get to just one, and sometimes there's talented people out there. Um, You know, I had mentioned this before, so um i am repeating myself a little bit but talent is talent and top performers they're 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 going to be a top performer for the rest of their life generally speaking and so if you see somebody there um then try to keep a relationship going because it could even be a customer it could be anything right i have people who take my classes even though they were a candidate who didn't make it right so it's 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 a relationship thing you want to surround yourself with top performers like they say that you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with I'm guessing that a candidate you you interview but don't hire isn't going to be somebody you spend all your time with, but you want to spend some time with them. You want them in your life. So get get around good people. The other thing is if you know that there's a top performer in your life and you never really considered bringing them into your organization, it might be an opportunity to bring them into your organization, right? So I know a lot of people who end up hiring friends, because they know that friend is really good at what they do. And they, and they know that person will nail it out of the park. And it it oftentimes is very strong. It works, right? As long as you can have that dynamic in place of this is a friend first, but I'm the boss. Like, so as long as you have that dynamic, like didn't work out with me and my wife, she didn't want me to be the leader to tell her what to do, but friends can be in that case in some ways. And and that can be a, a good thing too. So, um, I would say that just thinking about it, top performers, that's who you want to surround yourself with, and so even if it doesn't work out in hiring, even if you don't have a job role right now, try to surround yourself with top performers. Is what I would say because they're going to help you get better at what you do, and they're going to give you suggestions, even if they're not on the payroll.
1: Yeah, I love that. I think you know I'll, I'll give kind of two final words on this, and, and we can wrap it up. But the first would be one is build a bench because that was the one thing I did do right in that conversation was making sure that Julie knew I was definitely wanting to do this. I just couldn't do it at the time and can, you know, give us 90 days and, and, uh, and that worked out. And then two is, uh, reiterating what you said, but I think it is by far, this would be my one thing. Like this is the most important thing And, and I'm reiterating it because it's so important. Top performers already are top performers. You cannot take somebody who's not and turn them into one. They already are. Your job is to find where they are and how they demonstrated that they are and then bring them in and make sure that it fits the role that you're about to put them in, right? Because you don't want to mismatch a top performer to a, a poor role. Um, and that's sort of uh, how we think about it is my, my biggest tip there. So with that, we can go ahead and uh, wrap this topic up. You know, I appreciate everybody for, for listening to this, for sharing this stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, you've been exposed to a bunch of new information around hiring top performers, but until you start talking about it with others and you talk, talk about some of the ideas or, you know, you don't always have to agree with the things that we're talking about. Obviously that Jeff and I have, we certainly don't agree on all things either, um, but we're, we're willing to chat about it, to, to think about it. And that's what turns it into a skill. That's what makes you a better manager, a better owner. Uh, so the more that you do that, Uh, the better it is. And uh, appreciate you for doing that. And of course, for listening to Business Unfiltered. We'll see you on the next episode.
0: And that's a wrap for today's episode of Business Unfiltered
1: with your hosts, Bersa and Jeff Sauer. Be sure to subscribe,
0: leave us a review, and tell a friend what you've learned today. Want to connect? Visit us at businessunfiltered.fm. This has been Business Unfiltered,
1: always unapologetically honest.